Hey guys, this is John, and this is another episode of the Meat Logistics Podcast. We don't have Austin today. Instead, we've got Kurt Ratzliff with Kansas Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Get right up on that microphone. There you How go. How about that? Yeah, moving around. There we go. Is that better? All Kurt right. is a, a often guest, probably who we've had on the most, I would imagine. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think he owns the title for most visits. So. You know, on our on our Kansas BHA podcast, we have one guy that has been on like more than he should be, like me here. Sure. And uh, he, he, he keeps telling us that he, he's going to start sending us a bill for every time we mention his name. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't think I'll we're do not that paying you. Yeah, yeah that's I'm, a good point. We we mentioned your name about three times as many times as you're here. Yeah, so there might be so, something to that. There, you're not getting paid for those. We don't get paid for those. So. Yeah, so take that printer. Yes, good. you don't get any money either. No, 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 no. Uh, Kurt was in the office the other day. We were looking at what we're going to do with BHA Kansas chapter. Um, I also I talked to Josh Mills uh, and actually signed the contract yesterday for another year of full sponsorship uh on the national level as well thank you uh so we're big sponsors or big believers in uh what bha does uh i think the thing that caught my eye with you more than anything else was uh the cleanup stuff right now we can get to that in a second but we have Mm. what we used to call back in the 80s a vse or a very special episode the the 80s (laughs) we are returning to an old tradition of drinking on the podcast here the reason we're doing this one is, A, it's you, and we've had more than a few podcasts where we drank. Where's the what? confetti? <laughs> philosophized. Yeah. Why are you turning red? It's <laughs> hot in here. <laughs> oh, it's no, he's turning red now, but it's not even going to be the beer. He's right, already it's not red. the beer. He's already just thinking about the beer. Just this. Gotcha. So I've got, uh, I don't, he didn't tell me if I could say his name or not. So I've got a customer from uh, Oklahoma who comes up here every once in a while, and every time he does... He'll, he'll bring me some beer or some something else, and I'll give him some of the stuff I've made. Um, everything I've had from him as far as beer is awesome. So I'm fully expecting this to be great. This is a marvelous mouthful Marzen Oktoberfest. I love that. I love alliteration. Yeah, that's, my that's perfect. Patrick knows that if he wants to sell me on something, <laughs> just come up with a title that has alliteration. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And that's what smart people that's do. That's a good tip. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> okay, but let's, let's not stand on ceremony. Go ahead and uncrack that bottle. And I'm going to film it, and we're going to use this as a promo for the podcast. Look at us, multitasking. Man. So we've got the marvelous mouthful Marzen Oktoberfest. And I'm probably gonna And like... you are struggling. Oh, that was a Fink. that's a sharp knife, too. Is it really? Oh yeah. It's it not, was before you just well rammed it up against yeah, oh, his Lord. bone. He doled well, it. Well then don't give me, you know, no, don't worry. Way to can, hurt myself. Can, it's okay. No worries. We're gonna start again on this video because this is not going as smoothly <laughs> keep, as we would hope. Keep that one going because you could just trim it short, maybe. No, I'll just live stream it. Here we are. Day seven. Yeah, this will be this will be a half hour of the episode right here with me struggling. I saw you dude. do this to a deer once for an hour, oh, man. For an hour and a half. Oh so. uh, yeah, no kidding. That was a hard Monday morning. I'm I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I thought that went really smooth. That, hey, as far well, I thought so. The finished video, yeah, it great. went a lot smoother than. There we uh, go. Okay, no, so now we're still there. We go. We, we should got re- the cover go. off. There no pun go. intended, but we should recut up that video because there was a lot of good stuff in there. Sure. Oh, here we go. All right. So finally, the bottle says Iron Monk, but that's not what it is. This is something that uh, a Walton's customer who is nice enough to bring me some stuff brought up here for us to try. Let's see what happens when I flip this around. There we go. What is the most common brew uh, brewed beer that people like to make at home? Is it something 
simple or I, you got to like to think that they they add mm. so much experimental stuff that it's either Whoa. always got to be an IPA or a dark. I think it's usually an IPA. Hey, what is wrong with my eyes? You're, you're uh, I, Patrick, you're going to let that sit for a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, got, it got a little away from me there. You're going to want to tilt that glass. <laughs> Leave this all in, but my eyes look very red. That's weird. I didn't notice it. I tried to flip the video around to yeah. get my, I looked at myself and I was like, um, that's not a good look. Hold on, John, what are you putting my cup first to make it foam like that? Nothing. He yeah. poured it terribly. I, I poured it, like I said, it kind of got yeah, away from it a little bit you there. Gra you grabbed this glass and you said, but you have a problem drinking out of this one? <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> Guys, great start. Oh, great start to perfect. the podcast. We're, we're keeping it nice and organized. That's great. This is amazing. I love how conversations. Yeah, like I like the. Uh, I think. I think one of the other times I was here and we were drinking. We were doing Oktoberfest too, and I said that I, that my favorite Oktoberfest is uh, Left Hand. Okay. Left Hand uh, Brewing Company's Oktoberfest, and that's really similar. Um, it's very similar. To that it's really good. That's I really got like that a lot. A lot going on on it. Yeah. It does. Um, it's a little darker than what I would normally think of as an Oktoberfest, but Agreed. it is a, a Marzen, so. It cuts through nice, though. It doesn't linger mm -mm. the way a normal dark would start to build the saliva, at least in my mouth, build the saliva up in a way that's unappealing. Uh, like I said, nice, easy drinker. Um, it, it tastes how my dad's breath used to smell, so it's kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's good for Pat. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's enjoying it. Yeah, it's it's nostalgic. So. Yeah, it's it, got. It, some of the beer made it through the foam on that. Sorry about that. It's got I'm, some nice I'm wearing sweetness. it for sure. <laughs> this has got some nice sweetness to it. It does. <clears throat> All around. Excellent. Well, well done. Yeah. To whoever made that, well done. That is fantastic. I almost wish this was a Christmas beer because I loathe Christmas style beers. Um, have you ever had Harpoon Winter Warmer? No. Try that. Okay. That's I'll Christmas that beer. That is delicious. That one. That's and then really maybe, good. what's that? What You like that Prairie something? Prairie Artisan Ales. Yeah. Those are sours. Oh, you're talking about Debom. I think so. Yeah, there was the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas the, one. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's a really good one, too. But yeah, no, I'm a big sour. What? Oh, me guy too. Usually. Yeah. How would yeah. a guy Sours. at home determine his uh, alcohol percentage in something like this? I mean, what is alcohol? Alcohol is the byproduct of the yeast eating the sugar. Um, so I think it's probably how much sugar you put in. So there's probably some kind of device that. Oh, I don't. I thought you were like asking know. for like what is? No, no, no. Like yeah, if you made this at home, like I want to know how strong it is. Yeah, because this says he's got it on here 2. at seven point two. Yeah, but I don't he know must if that's have some kind of device. Then to be, I mean, to be that accurate, that'd be cool. I've always kind of wanted to do the homebrew thing, but I just never have, you know. But I've always kind of wanted to do that. It's it, a lot it's, of work, though. It seems like fun, though. So a couple of weeks ago, we made um, uh, pork rinds. Mm -hmm. I went and got some pork skin. We you know, did all that. And I mean, it's a little bit more difficult than you would think, but the taste is good, but they're like $2 and 50 cents a bag at the grocery <laughs> store. Just go buy it. There's beer <laughs> yeah. right there at the grocery yeah. store. And I think that's always been the stumbling block for me is like, you know, as we were talking about, there's a real nice liquor store, not far from here that has a great you, beer you, selection. You would have to like get other beer to drink while you make your own beer you wouldn't you wouldn't have a profit until like <laughs> right yeah so we're not saving any money here no you're not you're just thinking of a new hobby that like well i gotta drink while making beer and what if you make it and it's terrible oh my god i didn't even consider that who was it somebody brought some made beer or homemade beer they were trying to make it like a a double or something 
And it, do you remember that? It came out like, it, I don't know if you were here. No. It came out like an Abbey Ale. It was awesome. Hmm. What, for some reason, I want to say it was Brett. I feel like every, every good recipe ever for anything, right? It's a happy accident, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't uh, mean to. Yeah. Champagne. Uh, oh, there yeah, you there you go. Yeah. For nice sure. happy accident. All right. So sure. we've also got some snack sticks to try. Uh, these, do you to dull your knife more? Or yeah, go ahead. It, I'll, it let, should, I'll let you, since you should. didn't like the way I utilized your knife on the beer, I'll make you I'll open it. I wonder if it's going to be sharp enough to cut through this plastic. Barely. Look at that. Uh, no, just look at that. It's barely. just barely. Ah, ah, ah. This is oh, going to need please. to go back on the true hone after. <laughs> oh, oh, good reason to yeah. use the true hone. Yeah. It's like, oh, if, I feel so sorry for you. You, have you a, should. <laughs> do you have a measly, uh, how, how, how expensive is that? True home? Uh, it was twelve hundred last time yeah, I looked. Yeah, so easily twelve hundred. Probably like eighteen hundred now. Around. Yeah, would be my my guess. Um, but no, we've got two different snack sticks here, and they're ones we don't make much. So we have the Asian sriracha, and we've got the Mandarin teriyaki. See if he could pick up what you did different to these. Oh, I don't want you to tell him. Uh, he's not gonna. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not a taste one. You're not gonna. What get he it. might like a sewer guy of these, but is we'll the see. flavor not immediate? Okay. I don't think it's powerful at, at all enough. Um. But we had a, a, another customer, a meat logistics guy, Rafter, send in some honey for us. Well, I was going to say. No, you weren't. Dude, it I says, swear. Oh, it says with honey it says right with on the label. honey right it on the front of it. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if they're talking about the honey. That would have been <laughs> awesome. Oh, you thought maybe too, it was a texture thing or something. No. But. no, so we added uh, two tablespoons of honey to each batch. <laughs> they were both 10-pound batches. And it, that's just not enough to get that mm -mm. taste across. You may pick up like a tiny bit of sweetness that might not normally be there, um, but you need to add more than two tablespoons. So we know that now. The next batch we make, we'll, we'll try Yeah, I'm to, not picking up any honey, yeah. even, even with you telling me that. It's like, I'm still not. We'll try and up that to see what happens. Now, the, the cool really thing good, with these is this is a 16 millimeter casing. Mm -hmm. And we did this on our electric stuffer. So we have to get a little 10 millimeter horn, get the 16 millimeter casing on there, and it went through it, no problem. Yeah. We like don't have that. the 10 millimeter stuffers for, or 10 millimeter tubes for sale yet, but we will hopefully shortly. That's good. Thank you. I like that. So when those come for sale, will they come with the unit or you have to buy them separate? Okay, cool. Or there's, there's an option C. We do the same thing with our uh, uh, manual stuffers. We have a 10 millimeter for those but we don't sell it. Like it doesn't come with it. Sure. 12 is the smallest that comes with either one of them. Because while it does work, it's not really necessarily recommended. You know, a 19 millimeter or 21 millimeter, that's the smallest snack stick you really should be making at home. But I'm just looking back at that gigantic stuffer back there and thinking about what I think of as my little 11 pounder yeah. that I've got at home. You know, it's like, that thing looks gigantic. The 11 pounder is awesome. Though. It, <laughs> it does. Is. It's, it's more than I need. Yeah. But I just look at that. It, you, I have an 11 pounder and that thing looks massive. No, I'm in love with this thing now. Jeez. My favorite thing to do would be like when we first got that. And sure, it was test. But like, say we're doing like a how to make snack stick video. Like that's the one we're using because, you know, least amount of time. And that's the one we want to promote and all this stuff like that. And to see John, to like the meat get away from him once in a while. And he go, oh, hold on, hold, hold on, slow down. And it's not, and he can't, it's not automatic. And, he's, and he just unplugs it. And I just go, oh man, now that's, that's a fun. Thing. So, so to go through all the chapters of it from like not even being a product to then like seeing it flushed out and like this doesn't work. And then now it's like, 
now we're getting 10 millimeter on stuff so that's cool so. that's that is cool you can look in that back corner there there's the graveyard of the early, <laughs> yeah. like the nope this is gonna work this is gonna work this is gonna yeah. work yeah and it's oddly like for just weird reasons you would like you'd really have to stare at it and go like well why is it not doing what it should be doing and you go oh this weird space here this thing's not pushing down far enough or the trial and error, I guess, you know. Yeah. Other than the upgrade to a more powerful motor, the most important thing we did was move the nozzle down like, or up even with the bottom of the stuffer. That's nice. So it used to come underneath. Mm. And once we moved that up, the pressure just reduced dramatically. And I'm not smart, so I can't explain why that happens, <laughs> but I do know it did happen. So. But you're wrong. The coolest thing is the drawer that all the horns fit into. So I think that was Patrick's uh, contribution to this. I don't know if it was. No, I really like it. Like there you nice go. Drawer when you're there. trying to, when you film meat coming out of a canister for a few years and then they add a drawer, I go, oh, here we go, baby. <laughs> Look at this. Something to show the people. That is actually pretty funny. Um, Patrick, I still have it down, even though we didn't, we don't have Austin here to ask. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try to move it to next one. But was it you who asked the question? Has anyone ever tried to bring a deer to Walton's to process? <laughs> yeah, I did. I go, someone had to have been <laughs> it like. must have happened. They had probably to. had it in the truck, walked in, sniffed it out, went, oh, this isn't that type of place, and yeah. just left. Oops. Yeah. Oops. Oh, for sure. Because you type in meat, because there's all the negative keywords we never used to have that would be like meat processing store mm -hmm. or meat butcher store. And, and we would pop up and we go, nope, 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 because we were accidentally competing for those words money-wise. So we had to kill them. And by doing so, we realized, like, oh, I, I wonder if someone actually thought we were a processing <laughs> plant. So. Google Ads is a Weird. labyrinth. Oh, Absolute sure. labyrinth. It makes no sense. You're always a step behind no matter what you're doing. Yeah, so. by design, I feel like. Oh, for sure. Like they intentionally. Yeah. The universe is expanding and we're just one of the things flying through. <laughs> okay. Um, another interesting <laughs> fact that somebody brought up uh, that's going to make me restart Meat Fact Friday on uh, social media was, how do you think, do you know how Henry Ford got his inspiration for the uh, manufacturing line? Nope. Knowing that... I'm asking this in the business we're in. Any guesses? I'll say no, because okay. I don't know. He used to work at a slaughtering plant and realized that what they were doing was exactly the right way to do oh. car production just in the exact, mm -hmm. instead of taking a hole and breaking it down, you take the broken down parts and finish with the hole. Right. I thought that was pretty awesome. That is, that is, and it, that is a good way to see that. Well, it makes sense. So it's on uh, the History Channel was doing like Great Men of America. And that was on there with with him. What so, are tires made out of? Rubber. What's rubber made out of? Trees. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. You ever heard of a rubber plantation? What's glue made out of? Horses. I thought it was cows. I was Maybe trying to get you too. to say cow. That's what that was my whole thing. Why did you want me to say cow? Because <laughs> that's where initially it's, just, it's a full circle. Then because oh, then okay. even he went like, well, well, you need them to go on something. He went, I got a solution, baby. <laughs> Should we leave enough for both of us to have a glass and a half? We're, we're going to have to pace ourselves. Why? I it's love that. Empty. The tone. Yeah. Right. What? It's, <laughs> it's going to be gone one way or the other. It's not. There's no reason to pace yourself. Just drink it. What would you think about the, the Mandarin teriyaki? I'm generally not a teriyaki fan. Mm -hmm. Gen just generally speaking. And I did, I did like the sriracha ones better. So the Mandarin teriyaki, in my mind has too much of a soy flavor, but I'm wondering how much of that is because it's with pork. Like, I'm wondering if I would like it with beef. That's a good thought. Yeah. 
Because that umami that, flavor that, from that soy would, that would definitely make a difference, and it might uh, it might make that difference. Yeah, yeah, that could be might be significantly better. Yeah, that could be. But yeah, I like the sriracha one with honey. <laughs> and <laughs> even though you can't taste, uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> undecipherable amount of honey or <laughs> some amount that you just can't taste it at all. All right, so a couple weeks ago, um, I sent you an email because I saw that you're statistics came out again yep. for bha and i think that was one of the first ones we ever had you on for i think so to go over i think so so do you want to talk about that a yeah little bit? you bet yeah because i always i always get kind of a kick out of that um because you know our our world seems to like be very polarized at the at the at the current time and and i just think that that bha is an interesting group of people because it's not a polarized group right um it's just absolutely not just the opposite in fact and um, and I looked at it again right before I came over <clears throat> to remember for sure what it all was. And there are that like politically, it's still like four equal groups of people: Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and those who won't even answer <laughs> that, the question. I'm not telling you, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I still love that. I I just think that's amazing um, that there are still groups like that in our world today because I think that's a good thing. I think that's a strength. I think that gives us strength. Um, because we do get all different perspectives and all different points of view. And we all have to, you know, put that all together and, and, uh, pull behind our, our public lands and waters and set the rest of that stuff aside. And sure. we, and we do that. But I, I mean, I, I imagine it actually makes sense that you guys would <clears throat> be split like that because you've got different people joining for different reasons. You've right. got your people who want to join because they want more access to public land to hunt. You've got people joining because they want to keep the nature pristine and cleaned up and you've got people who are joining because they want the government not involved or more involved. So it makes complete yeah, sense. It does. It's like, it's, it's people that want to do everything by themselves. Yeah. You know, leave me alone. All I want to go do is walk around in the mountains, you know, and find an elk and put it on the ground and carry it out and take it home and feed my family. Right. Leave me alone. You know, and then there's people that it's a giant social event to go elk hunting, <laughs> you know, and it's like, we need our, government to do this and that and it's just like it is it's just like an interesting mix of people um and i i don't know i love that i think it's fun it's a challenge sometimes like as a from a leadership position <laughs> it's it's kind of a challenge sometimes because you don't instantly know like what perspective uh, what part of bha that person has taken when you're talking to them um so it's kind of a challenge sometimes but i like that it's 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 fun i, I just i love all the different perspectives i, I get a kick out of that so, uh, speaking of leadership, I know you've got some, uh, things coming on the horizon. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Or, oh, for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. For like me? Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. So I've been the chair of the Kansas chapter of BHA since we started in 2019 <clears throat> and actually it started in 2018, uh, when the whole process got started. Um, and, um, so I've been the chair of Kansas chapter since then and uh my term ends the end of this year um and i've always as i was telling you guys the other day i've always been a person that was pretty interested in the concept of term limits politically yeah um i understand I, i'll get back to that but i've always been pretty interested in term limits and so i thought i should probably apply that to myself if i think it's going to be it should be applicable to others sure. i should probably apply it to myself as yeah. well um there is a way that i could have extended it but i don't think that's right to do that and so my my uh time as as chair is going to end at the end of this year 
Um, and we've got another, another guy that's willing to step up into the chair position and is going to do a great job. I have zero doubt about that. He's a good dude. Probably the best, speaking of elk hunting, he's probably the best elk hunter I've ever, I've ever met personally. Okay. Like he, he, like, have you been out in the field with him or you just no, hearing stories? No, all I see is results, oh, man. Okay. And it's, okay. it's like, it's, it, and, uh, it's Marshall Loftus is his name. And, uh, he's, he, it's, I think it's like him and his brother and their cousin. They go every year at least once, and somebody has a tag for wherever they're going. Um, sometimes two of them do or whatever, but they all go out, and, like, this year, like, he got a monster. Yeah, you showed me a picture of it. Yeah. Thing I was mean, huge. And, and public land is not – they do all of it themselves. Right. It's completely do-it-yourself on public land, and they get elk every year or darn close to it. Um, and they're just – I mean, they know what they're doing. They spend a ton of time on researching before they go out. Um, he spends a ton of time on the whole application to get tags here, there, wherever right. in the state. He spends a ton of time on that. So it's because he does the work. Uh, they put in a ton of work ahead of time and then, and then they work their asses off when they get out there too. Um, and this year, yeah, it all paid off. He got a, just a monster of an elk. Um, and so, and so he's going to be taken over as chair. He's a great guy, super smart. Um, and so he's going to do great. I have no doubt about that because just like elk, elk hunting and all that kind of stuff, he's going to put in the work. Um, and so it'll, it'll be great. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Marshall's going to be the chair. Um, as far as I know, unless somebody else steps up and wants to, um, get in the, in the conversation for that as well. I'm going to slide over to, uh, like taking care of the policy and legislative <laughs> stuff. I can't believe I'm saying that I've spent my entire life avoiding politics. Um, and, uh, yeah, now here I am, but, but the thing is I'm retired. Um, I've got the time, right. Um, it's hard to do that stuff, uh, in the evenings, hard to do the policy and legislative stuff in the evenings. It's easier to do that when the legislature's in session sure. during the day. Cause that's when they're doing their thing. So, um, that's what I'm doing. Not excited about that terribly, but I will do it. And, uh, cause it's all, there's always stuff that needs to be done, um, for sure. So you're actually going to go to uh, the courthouse, whatever, while the, they're to yeah the legislature to the state house, yeah. to the state house, state house yeah. thank you yeah I'll probably do that while they're hearing arguments whatever right. get up and be a voice for BHA yeah so I'll be Crown. doing I'll be doing that um, and also the the um, wildlife and parks has their the wildlife and parks commission mm -hmm. which is the group that sets all of the regulations for hunting and fishing in Kansas they're the ones that set that. Um, and so I'll go to their meetings and, uh, express our points of view there. We also got <clears throat> included recently, uh, the U S department of agriculture has what they call their state technical committee meetings. Um, and that's basically like for feedback on what's going on with the farm bill and what the, what has come out of the farm bill, mm -hmm. basically like all of the government, um, and I'm t terribly going to probably butcher how this all works, but it's the USDA. Um, it, it's their attempt to get some feedback on the money that's being spent through the farm bill. Okay. And so we're, we got included in that as well. So we get to give some feedback on what's going on with that from the farm bill side. How does of BHA get included in that? Because, well, be because of it's kind of a long process, but um, when you look at wildlife, not just Kansas, but in America, 
wildlife is owned by all of us citizens. Right. Um, we all own all of the wildlife. And um, it's called the public trust doctrine. Been around since our country started. The founding fathers got this whole thing. They wanted to get away from the, the way things were done in Europe and in England. They wanted to get away from that, um, the whole king's deer, king's deer. concept. Yeah. Um, in America, we own the wildlife. Um, all of the farm bill stuff, it, not all of it, a lot of it has to do with conservation practices, which impacts wildlife. Okay. Makes sense. That's us. There you go. Um, and so we're the voice for the public lands and wildlife. Uh, that's kind of our catchphrase, if you will, public lands, waters, and wildlife. And so that's how we get involved in the whole process. Um, so we get to give uh, some feedback on what we're seeing from the wildlife side of things on the landscape. Okay. And so I'll, I'll be taking care of those as well. Sounds like fun. I can't wait. Actually, I've been doing most <laughs> of that stuff already. So it's, it's your, yeah, okay. so it's kind of a reduction. We've got some guys that have been helping a lot on the legislative side. I'll, I'll be stepping up on that, but the rest of that stuff I've kind of been doing already. So, and you were a lawyer, right? Yeah. So you're already good at reading legal documents. Yeah. I, imagine. I can read the, I, can, I can't. Yeah. Like as soon as it starts saying party A and party B and I'm like, no, I'm done. <laughs> like, why don't we just use everybody's name? <laughs> Keep things simple. Actually, it makes it more simple. It does it, not. Oh, yeah, it does. But maybe yeah. once after you train you your brain for that. Yeah. After you get through it. Yeah, it does. Right. That's okay. For the average person, just call everybody by their names. It's a lot easier for us simpletons. But yeah, so we've got a lot of changes going on. We've got some changes going on nationally yep. at BHA as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's, it's a time for change at BHA, but you know, the mission of BHA is just so good. It is. Um, it is. The, it's boots the mission on the statement. And it's young. It's young. That's or, right. The, the, uh, 44? The, the survey uh, showed actually we've, we've jumped up in age oh, a little bit. That's um, disconcerting. It's, it's fine. You oldies. <laughs> it's fine. But, um, but yeah, our age did jump up a little bit. And I think that's still a function of, um, you know, when we couldn't get out and have pint nights there for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I think that because that we signed up a lot of members a lot of young members at Pine Nights. That so, makes sense. And so, so I think that skewed the numbers a little bit for a little while. And right. I think they'll come back down. I'm not real concerned about so it. So I know you've said that Pint Nights haven't gotten back to pre-COVID levels. Correct. Is that true just in Kansas or is that true? No, I think for some reason it's especially true in Kansas. Okay. Um, but I think across the nation, I think there's still been a little bit of that. And what we've really found is like pre-COVID, all you had to say was, hey, we're having a Pint Night down at you know, Walton's or whatever, and people would show up. Sure. Now it seems like you have to do something a little extra um, to get people to come out to your to your event. Okay. Like we've started doing up in the Kansas City area, we've got a couple of the young guys, younger guys have been uh, doing trivia contests at our Pine Nights. And that, and that has just changed everything up there. Yeah. They get, they get lots of people to those. Drinking is no longer enough. You have to show people you're smarter than them too. That's what really draws you guys. Is that not how you drink anyways? <laughs> That's actually a fair point. I just steer topics into, you know, what I want to talk about. I go, I go oh, no, 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 none of that. What are you guys talking about? Let's steer it. My expertise is. We're going to go into heavy metal here. I've never seen him try to do that. Heavy metal music. And what else we got? T Tennessee Titans. Other than that, <laughs> he watched, he, he goes, do you see anyone else play? I go, there's no other teams besides. That's all. I, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't watch that's that. all he does. Um, yeah. So when you were talking about national, uh, Lan is, has stepped down. Right. The CEO, um, Lantani. Yep. Um, and I, a, I know they're down to the last few. 
<laughs> candidates or there's a few candidates left yeah. that they're they're looking at but hopefully you'll have a ceo again yep that that i'm sure is going to be happening real soon okay um yeah the good news is th that the north american board uh which is the board of directors of, of bha is a good strong group and so i'm sure they're going to make a good decision okay. um it's a bunch of good people um and they all get out and hunt and they all get out and fish and they all, i mean it's folks that do all of the stuff that we all love to do right and so they'll make a good decision um but yeah they've got several roles to fill um and so it's going to be a challenging time there's no question about that but yeah we'll have a new ceo real soon um and then that person will have to put in place a new national policy person um our national policy guy is a guy that that i got to know pretty well john gale um he is a super smart guy pretty charismatic has he's one of those guys that has just got crazy life experiences right like just wild stuff you know <laughs> and and uh i was out at the you guys are going to the governor's pheasant yep. hunt again uh, not probably. next weekend but the, yeah right. not this weekend but actually we um i got invited out there right after uh are you going i am uh, not, not sure. i'm, I'm okay. probably that not. means a no okay. i'm probably not um but i got invited by pheasants forever to go out there when bha first started only because they really wanted John Gale to come talk. And I, they felt like I was the key to getting him getting there. Him there yeah. sure. <laughs> and so that's the only reason I got to go. Um, but it was amazing. The, the, you know, they always have a theme every year for the presentations mm -hmm. at, the, at the stuff. And, and that year it was conservation groups <clears throat> was their big theme. And so like, um, oh gosh, what was his name? Howard Vincent, I think the CEO of Pheasants Forever, he was there the ducks unlimited ceo was there like all the ceos of all of the big groups were there and it was like it was amazing because john gale came in and they were all quiet and he talked hmm. um and it was just super incredible so uh, is he just good at holding court or did yes. they know who he was oh everybody knew him oh okay it was it was you know how you have just like super weird moments in your life just like yeah. how did i get here kind sure. of moments one of those i had one of those at that deal because um i found myself sitting around a, a table at a bar drinking beers with all of those ceo people yeah you know and i'm like sitting there just like how did i get here what the hell am yeah. i doing here yeah. you know and it was hysterical because when john walked in everybody put their drinks down turned around and looked at him and he came in and just like held court and it was it was like a very cool moment <laughs> you know i was like i think i'm in a good group of people yeah um and so john is super smart he was our national policy guy so when something went on in dc he was in the thick of it um and he was super super good and so it's kind of a double-edged sword you know we i hate for bha to lose him mm -hmm. he elevated us so much on the national scene it was amazing um at the same time like he took a very high level position in the bureau of land management which manages more land in america than anything else yeah um and he now has a very high position in BLM. And so to have somebody with BHA roots, you know, in that kind of position is unbelievable. Um, and he came from, you know, our little organization and he's up there and he's going to do great things. I have no doubt about that. Two things though. Can you really, I mean, I know you guys like to think of yourself as a small organization, but are you really anymore? Oh, I, I mean, how I many chapters I, are there? Well, we got 40? chapters in every state. Or except Not, for like Delaware or something like that. Delaware and Hawaii or okay. something like that. But yeah. And then you have place. how many members approximately? Do I you think know? I think we're 30 or 40,000, something like that. I mean, that. is that really small anymore though? 
I don't know. I still, it still feels like it. Okay. Um, I don't know. It feels like it is all I can say. Sure. I, I, I just always feel like we're the, we're the little guy like down there slugging it out, trying to get stuff done. And, uh, you know, Pheasants Forever, Ducks Unlimited, which do great things. I'm not saying anything about it, but it's like those are the big guys. Right. And they have hundreds of thousands of members and that kind of stuff. Yeah, they seem and, more, and, and I'm not honest, I mean, Pheasants Forever, obviously, I'm more familiar with as we were a national sponsor of them for Right. But they do seem to be a, a lot more concerned with um, raising more money and with, you know, I'm sure for good stuff and kind of like land acquisitions. Right. Than what BHA seems to be correct on every account and in, a, and in a good way um no you're absolutely correct they they do raise a ton of money yeah uh there's no no disputing that um and but they yeah they do land acquisition stuff bha is not in the land acquisition basis or business right. um we don't do that and as far as raising money goes sometimes we have to remind you like hey I know. <laughs> we owe you five thousand dollars we said we we're going to do something here what are we doing to give you this so. Yeah, yeah, and you guys are ridiculously awesome for us. I mean, we, yeah, you guys are, and yeah, we. I mean, yeah, I, I hate to say this, but like, it's, yeah, we're really not concerned that much with with money. Sure. What we really want to do is like, you want me to say it? Go get boots on the ground. There you go. There you go. Well, I knew that'd make you happy. But yeah, we like to get out there and get after it. Um, and one of the things that I have loved about the relationship that we've all developed through through all of this stuff is that you guys are the official sponsor of, of Kansas BHA service projects. Yep. And I love that. Well, I mean, I just think that, cause that's like, that's like the, the thing that, that like really gets me going is doing service projects. I love that. That's what got you on our, our radar more than anything else was the going in and ripping out old fences, taking out 50 bags of garbage, things like that. Can you talk about the story uh, you were telling me, um, the farmer who you agreed to, yeah. Can you tell that story? Yeah, sure, sure. I think yeah. that's a really cool way, and hopefully, because you know we don't have great public access in Kansas. We've got the worst, right? Um, you know, as far as that goes. But yeah, so um, we're like BHA is a public land organization. Kansas. Aside, before I go any further with sure. that, we've always said that we are the forty eighth or 49th, like at the bottom of percentage of public lands for states in America. I want to revote because I think we're the worst. You think we're I think 50? we are now the worst officially because the one that we could always count on having a higher percentage than was oh gosh, I think it's Rhode Island. It's one of it's one of the states back in there. Okay. One of the smaller states back in there. And they just got public access to their beach. Like from the high water mark and 10 feet in is now public land. And I'm curious the if whole that, way? Yeah. Oh, that must have made some rich people really mad. I'm sure mad. it did. I'm sure it did. Wow. But, I, but that's, I mean, honestly, it's like Surprise that's been that the federal through. law forever. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so so uh, I, I kind of want to re revisit those numbers. I want some uh, somebody way smarter at math than me. So you want to be 50 to, out of 50. I, I don't want to be that, <laughs> but I wonder if we are. That's, yeah. It's like that's the way my brain works. Like I wonder if now we have been beaten by Rhode Island. I mean, if you Kansas, look – and we got beat by Rhode Island in percentage of public land. I don't know how me? much time you spend on Onyx, but I mean, way more than I should. It, there's, it's not, it's not a, a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot, and especially yeah. not a lot around here. Yeah, and so yeah, we we don't have as far as public lands go, we have almost none. Right, um, and there are very large, very powerful lobbying groups who don't want us to even have that, which I don't understand. Um, to me they're taking an anti-hunting look or approach to this deal. 
And I don't think they look at it that way, but that's the effect of it. Sure. I don't think they're intentionally doing that. I'm not saying that. I think that's the effect of it because there's no, that that's the number one problem hurdle. The number one hurdle for people to get over to start hunting and fishing is access. Yeah. Um, and we have no access in Kansas. Well, what do you what got? What does that mean? What What's popular? You have the gravel pits down in South uh, East Kansas. Mind, the mind uh, uh, mine strips or whatever mind, it is. Yeah. You've got some stuff out uh, Southwestern, but there's almost none right around here or there's very, very little. Well, you know, I mean, public lands in Kansas basically means a reservoir and the floodplain behind that reservoir. And that's it. And that's it. There's a few freestanding places like there's the Byron Walker uh, area kind of down by Kingman and Pratt down in there. And there's a Sand Hills area. But by and large, it's like Cheney. Yeah. Cheney Reservoir and the floodplain behind it. And that's our public land. El Dorado. El Dorado. And, the, and the, the, the dam and the floodplain behind it is our public lands. That's basically what we get in Kansas. And the El Dorado one from <clears throat> some of the stories I've heard you want to be real careful going up there during uh, rifle season I'm because sure. there are way too many people on that land. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was out there bird hunting during rifle season last year. Oh, well, that was and it was smart of you. It was interesting. Well, I was getting ready for, we have our, gosh, we're getting way off topic. Imagine Whatever, that. that's fine. <laughs> we don't have but a topic. We, we always have our, our in-person board meeting because like we're all over the, our board is all over the state. We never get together except for once a year. Okay. Um, and it's at El Dorado. And um, last year, and it's during, it's in January that we get together out there. And last year, some of the guys wanted to go upland bird hunting because we've got guys that have never done that before. And so I was out there in end of, <clears throat> I guess it was a doe season. Now that I think about it, it was a doe rifle season out okay. there. And so it wasn't the big buck season and all that kind of stuff it was during the doe season but i was out there poking around trying to find some quail or something uh and by the way found a large number of quail uh, <laughs> so don't were any of them that, uh don't think you can't were any of them be successful yellow-breasted quail no only I, don't, I don't i don't do those. hopefully we don't run into those this <laughs> i don't do those. hopefully there are no more those. of those in colby okay. but so back to your original question yeah. like um and so because of all of that conversation that we just had about how little public land we have we'll do anything if we can get public access for hunting purposes or fishing purposes to something we'll pretty much do it and so there was a farmer that had two separate and distinct farm areas um and one of them is leased out to a tv show um for deer purposes i don't know i don't even know what the show is i don't know i don't really watch those so i don't know okay but um so it was leased out all leased up and everything but the other one um it's like 1,700 acres. So it's like, it's a big farm, big farm and ranch. And, um, but the TV host guy ended up, he was complaining a little bit because there was a locust tree infestation on part of the property. And I don't know if you know about wild locust trees. They are terrible. They have thorns about this long all over them. And they're just nasty, awful, and they're terrible to get rid of. But he wanted to get rid of those locust trees. So wildlife and parks approached us and said, Hey, this, we've got this guy, he's thinking about enrolling his 1700 acre, or we'd like to get his 1700 acre farm enrolled in, in walk-in hunting, which gives us public access to that. But he, he's pretty hesitant to do so. He doesn't really want it, but he's got this locust tree infestation. Would you guys go in 
and help us get rid of all those locust trees because we think if you if we can do that, he'll go ahead and, and open up his 1,700 acres for walk-in. And we were like, you bet. You bet we will do that. And that was a terrible job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was tedious and awful and horrible. Um, and we're probably going to get to go up and, and hit it again to get rid of all of them. But we did it um, on we, we, there we are working on improving this land that's leased up for a TV show. Right. Uh, all that kind of stuff that we are not the terribly in favor of. of. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll do it. Right. If it gets us access to 1700 acres for, for everyone in the world that wants to and get off their butt and get out there and hunt it. Absolutely. We'll do it. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we were out there and it was, a, it was an interesting process. I'd never done that before, but it's like all the trees that were, I don't know, how you judge a tree, but like if the trunk was that big around, then you had to take a chainsaw and cut a groove through the bark around the tree. And then they had some chemical that you squirted. Spray on it, yeah. Uh, that would then be absorbed in and kill the tree. Uh-huh. Um, but if it was smaller than that, then you had to, then you sprayed that chemical, that same chemical on the bark of the tree, but you had to get it completely around the entire tree or it would still live. Okay. Because they're incredibly tough. The problem is they grow from the roots um, by the ton. Okay. And so there were millions of trees about as big around as your little finger. And if you don't kill them, they go crazy. Sure. And so it was super tedious and it was super long and thorns everywhere all over you. Wait, so the only time you got to use a chainsaw was to cut the bark? Yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah. terrible. There wasn't even any fun of like cutting down a tree. Cutting down trees is fun in the, even if in, in the appropriate place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't get to cut them down because it's if terrible. you cut them down, they just continue to grow. It doesn't kill them. What do you mean? If you it's going to kill that cut, one. If you cut, no, it will, it will send out shoots really? and grow again. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Okay. They are, yeah, they are a very tough tree and and they're not native to Kansas. They're an invasive species, um, so they're not supposed to be here. They're not supposed to be on our landscape. Um, and wildlife doesn't like them. Nothing much really likes them. Um, and deer hunters don't like them. So there's, you know, they shouldn't be here. So that guy wanted him out of there. Uh, is this with the bean-looking things? No. Uh, this is a black locust tree. Yeah, and I, I don't know what the official. I don't, like I've got a thornless locust tree in, okay. at my house, and it's nothing like these trees. Okay, it is. So this not, is totally something separate. Yeah, yeah. And maybe there I, you go. Yep. Is that it? Because be. we have these up. Uh, there's a yeah. a school up here. Walk my dogs through a path through it sometimes, and they've got these. Look, look. They look like something out of a horror movie. Yeah, they're and terrible. That's really, what they look like. Yeah, yeah. The thorns on them are just terrible. In fact, I was. You, you just get like jabbed everywhere uh-huh. um, when you're when you're trying to get all the way around one of the little tiny ones and it's in the middle of a bunch of other stuff. And so you just get, end up getting poked everywhere. And I was, after I left, I was driving down the road and I moved my hat for something, you know, and I was like, what was that? And I reached back here and I had like literally a thorn like this long, like it had gone in my scalp, like back this way. And I, you get poked all the time, but it stayed in there. Right. And I was like, oh, great. And I was like, and I, while I was driving, I was pulling this thing out of my Oh, that's head. fun. That's <laughs> and fun. so it was fun. But yeah, it was just a, a horrible, tedious day. Um, but we had a pretty good turnout out there and did a, did a lot of the work on that. Wildlife and Parks was out there. They supplied the, the chemical for us and, 
And uh, so it was a big collaboration to get this deal. But yeah, we got 1,700 acres of uh, of walk-in hunting. It's open to the public now because we did one day of work for that for that farmer. And you know, really the best part of that day, I was out, I don't know, I thought I was away from everybody. And all of a sudden I see this older guy walking around spraying stuff. And so I was like, hey, I hadn't seen him before. Ends up it was the landowner. Oh, and came he came out. out he came there out. He go. was working as well, which I appreciated that part of it. Sure. Um, but I started talking to him and um, thanked him for signing his property up for for walk in hunting, and uh, and he he really didn't understand why walk in hunting was important in Kansas. He, he's like, you know, I know I got some money and some hunters are going to come out and. You know, I'm not crazy about people walking all over my farm, but I think it's okay. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, so I kind of just like explained why in Kansas in particular, we need walk-in hunting because we have no public land to speak of. And, um, and afterwards, after we had that whole conversation and exchanged recipes for prairie chickens and all kinds of fun stuff like that, um, it was, it was a lot of fun because afterwards he's like, you know, I sit at the coffee shop every morning with all my farmer buddies, I'm going to go tell all of them that they ought to put their land and walk in hunting. And so I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty fantastic. That is great. Yeah. Where is this? Um, it's out. Oh gosh. It's out in Western Kansas, Edwards County, I want to say. Okay. Uh, and I'm not even sure that that's right. Unfortunately, um, the only town I know out there is Coley. <laughs> that's literally the only town I know. Yeah. I've, I've learned that about you. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't affect me directly, I'm unaware of it. But yeah, so that was like a, that was an interesting, um, project that we've worked on this year. I will say that we have had a good year in obtaining, helping obtain walk-in hunting, um, this year because there's two other properties that we've had a hand in getting enrolled in walk-in hunting, actually three. No, two, excuse me. But one of them, the vice chair that we've had forever, Jeff Hancock, he and I do the, yep. the podcast. Um, Jeff was in on this even before me because he was in on it before BHA days. But the city of Hayes, cities of Hayes and Russell bought a ranch long ago uh, for the purpose of obtaining the water rights from that from that ranch. Okay. Um, and it's a big ranch, 7,700 acres. Okay. Um, and, and they've had that for a long time and never opened it up for any use other than that, because they didn't want to make anybody mad. And I understand that. And it's gone through, I don't know, 20 years of legal fights over the water. Okay. Um, and that has all now, I think gone through all of the stages they finally, and we've held, I don't know how many meetings with them trying to talk them into, why not put that in, in walk-in hunting? Um, it's 7,700 acres, um, that's just sitting out there. It's owned by the cities, you know, it's basically public lands, um, but they won't allow any hunting, fishing, anything like that on it. Um, and so it just sat there and finally this year they enrolled it in walk-in hunting after all these years. Um, and so that was fantastic to get that. Um, and then just like, I think four or five miles from there, the nature conservancy, had a big ranch or has a big ranch out there and they decided to put, and that was 6,700 acres. Okay. So they decided to put that in walk-in hunting. It's in the IWEHA program. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, we can talk about that in a minute, but they, but they decided to put that, uh, ranch as well into walk-in hunting this year. And we had a service project out there, um, where I think 6,700 acres or a ranch or whatever, um, 
for walk-in hunting purposes, they put a sign up every quarter mile on the, on the exterior of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 21 miles is what it ended up being. We hung, and so they, BHA came out and hung the signs on the, on the fence for them because that would have taken wildlife and parks forever. for their one or two people out there. Mm-hmm. It would have taken them forever. Yep. We, we had like 20 people out there and knocked it out in the morning. Yep. And of course the big thing was like, you could take your four wheeler to do this project and drive all over this property and like scout it for hunting. So everybody yeah. was yeah, loving <laughs> so, that. I'm sure. And so we had a lot of people show up for yeah, that yeah. one. And so, um, but that was cool. You know, we we knocked out that. And so that means several days, several full days that the wildlife and parks guys, wildlife biologists and whatever, got to go do their real jobs instead of just out there hanging, hanging right. signs. Um, and so, yeah, like 16,000 acres got added this year. Uh, BHA had a hand in. So that's kind of fun. That is awesome. I like that a lot. Absolutely so awesome. It was a good year. What is this Iowa program? Oh, Iweeha. Okay. I-Weeha. So, so I was close with Iowa. Um, so the walk-in hunting, walk-in hunting area, W-I-H-A was generally called Weeha. Got it. Um, and so that's like your standard. And they have like a million acres in Kansas um, in the walk-in hunting program. And um, here a few years ago, one, one of the drawbacks of the walk-in hunting program is almost none of it is near like large metropolitan areas. Like from Wichita, you have to drive, I think it's at least an hour. To get to anything. To get to anything yep. at all. And and usually it's two or three. Mm-hmm. Like I don't hunt anywhere near Wichita. I'm long, long ways from Wichita when I go out. And I hunt exclusively walk-in hunting or public lands. Right. That's pretty much exclusively what I do. And um, But to try to get more properties closer to metropolitan areas they started the iweha okay and what that is it's a it's a deal where the the owner of the land gets to set conditions i would say on how many people are going to be there what hours they're going to be there like the owner of the land can set lots of restrictions um and as a hunter you have to check in and check out okay to get in and off the property on an is it an app yeah okay yep yep and so and they've gone through a few different apps. Some of them are not so great at all. Um, this one is better. There's still, I mean, you still have to have cell phone reception. There's a lot of places yeah. in Kansas where you don't have great cell phone reception. And so that's kind of been a drawback on it. But, um, and there was, and there was some, but anyway, that, they've got that, that program up and running now. And it's doing pretty well. There's, uh, especially up in the Kansas City area, there's places now reasonably close to Kansas City where you can, Hunt on iWeha property. I W I H A. There's no app that comes up under iWeha. No, it's like uh, oh, gosh, I should know that. I'm embarrassed about eh, that. I'll look it up it's later. Like, I've gone through the iWeha app. Fun. Yeah, I, I use Onyx. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that takes care of all of that. Um, but yeah, so there's several properties up by the up by Kansas City now, where the folks in Kansas City can go can drive 20 minutes from town and be hunting. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it's, you know, there's lots of restrictions. There's, you have to, there's only one person per day or something like that that can do it. And you have to like, so it's a competition to get that, you know, you start it, you have to register by whatever, five o'clock in the morning. And so it's a race. Everybody's trying to be the first one first that gets that, get, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And there were issues at the beginning, like people were figuring out ways to monopolize certain spots. And so it would just be their spot, right. basically. And so we've got we've worked. In fact, we had a couple of meetings with the with the wildlife and parks guys that run 
the walk-in hunting program and to kind of work through like some stuff that we've seen in other states um, to do away with all that sort of thing. And so it's, it's, it's pretty good now. It's done, it's, it's doing pretty well. So, awesome. but it's, it's a good program and gets, gets more hunting land available close to town. Sure. If it gets more people out in the field hunting, I'm at this point, it's almost like I'm all for it. There yeah. obviously are some things I wouldn't be okay with, but um, the number of people I've talked to just in the last year or so who, Anytime my job comes up, one of the things I always ask them, I'm like, hey, do you do any hunting? Do you do, you do any processing? It's like, no, you know, I did as a kid, but I don't really have anywhere to do it. That's and the problem. I, yeah, <clears throat> it really is. Yeah, access, like I said earlier, like access is the number one hurdle to get people over to get them out hunting and fishing anymore, um, especially hunting. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, fishing, you can kind of always find yeah, a place. Uh, fishing, you can, like all the reservoirs we talked about, mm -hmm. like you can go fishing there. Uh, you know, it's not a horrible problem there. But yeah, the, on the hunting end of, th end of things, it's access is the problem. And that's across America, but especially here where we have so little public land. And, and, that, and that's why I say like the effect of what some of the, the, the big lobbying groups are, are doing is anti-hunting. Um, just because it keeps people from hunting. I mean, it does. Like our our lack of public lands keeps people from hunting. There's there's no question about that. I get it though. Um, if I ever owned, you know, five thousand acres, nobody's walking on that land but me. <laughs> and I and I understand that. Yeah. I do. I I, I it's hard. I, yeah, because I want to walk on their land, but I don't. So I, to it, I totally weird. understand that. But the thing the thing that is, that is the biggest problem, as far as I'm concerned, is like. Um, Last year in the legislature, I'm not even sure they're going to try it again this year, but last year um, there was a bill that was either introduced or even maybe even just talked about, um, and it got shot down before anything happened on it. Um, and uh, Lovewell Reservoir, okay. Jewel County, right up on the Nebraska border. It's a beautiful spot. I, I hunt up there a lot. Um, but um, there was a farmer who owned some ground right next to the reservoir right next to excuse me right next to the wildlife management area of the of the reservoir okay that farmer wanted to sell his land he was an older guy as i recall and he wanted to sell his land to the state to have it included in that public public hunting land he couldn't do that which is so weird to me in america that farmer can't sell his land the way he wants to because he wanted to sell it to wildlife and parks he had Which, to just open it up to everybody like no he can't he can't he can't he can't sell. like if you have something that you want to sell to your buddy uh-huh it, it, it'd be like you can't sell it to your buddy until it goes through the legislature because there's a law that says if if there's an area 160 acres or greater um and and you want to sell that to wildlife and parks that has to go through the legislature i always joke around and call it like it has to have an act of congress sure which makes no sense to me. Mm. That guy wants to sell it to the state. He can sell it to a developer yeah, I don't to really have houses built all over it. He could sell it to somebody in China. He could sell it to somebody back east. He could do anything, but he can't sell it to his own state. That makes no sense to me. That makes no sense to me. It's like that just like makes no sense to me. He can sell it to any anybody else in the world, but he can't sell it to his own state. So obviously I don't think he should be able to sell it to China. But I'm fine with some extra checks being in there to prevent the government from acquiring more land. Wildlife and parks is still the government. 
How, how much land do you think Wildlife and Parks owns that we get to hunt on? Don't even have a guess. 0.27% of the agricultural land. Oh, that is way too much. That is an enormous <laughs> I didn't say amount. 27%. No, I know you said 0.27. But 0.27. in Kansas? In Colorado, a third of the state is owned by the government. Nevada is like 80%. Right. Yeah. There are yeah. commies out there. I don't want to <laughs> be like that. No. We want to go. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. But it just it just seems terribly, terribly odd to me that a farmer can't sell his land the way he wants to. I, I just he should be able to do whatever seems, he wants to do. With it, it seems to be. It yep. seems like it's un-American to me. Yep. I was completely joking. He should be able to do whatever he wants. Yeah. It's his it property. Just, it drives and that drives me crazy. Because yep. uh, that guy, there was a guy that wants to sell it to the state and then open that's it up to everybody. Yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. Think about it. Maybe he spent his entire, I don't know, but maybe he spent his entire life making like a, a deer haven. You know, that was, you know, he had a farm, but he turned it into a white-tailed deer, <clears throat> you know, incredible spot. And he wants it to stay that way. Um, he doesn't want to sell it to somebody who's going to knock everything down. and, and Or privatize it. Or whatever. Yep. Yeah. He wants it to go to the state so that everybody can hunt there. Yeah. And he can't do that. Yeah. And, and, so, he, and so he sold it to... Oh gosh, I can't remember now. Maybe pheasants forever, land but acquisition, ones, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. And and so they are trying now to sell it to the state. They can hold it for a while to try to get an act of Congress to happen, uh, which makes no sense to me. But that's the process that we have to go through. And I don't. I think that's just wrong. I do. I think that's like morally wrong to tell that farmer that he can't do with his land what he wants. Yeah, sure. It's your own private property. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, real quick, I, yeah. I know you're more of a elk and upland guy, but do you do any whitetail hunting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. Did you happen to see the there was a 268 non-typical? I hadn't. Was it Oklahoma? It's somewhere. I, I was going to say Arkansas, but maybe it was Oklahoma. I saw. I just saw a brief thing. And I, it had two what looked like large drop tines like knocked off of it. It is one of the coolest racks i've ever seen yeah like it from the if you look at it from the side it somehow looks like a football helmet like the mask <laughs> of a football helmet i'm like oh wow that's intimidating <laughs> to see that but yeah no it yeah. just i looked at that for a long time last night and it was like wow that's amazing yeah no I, I i'm a deer hunter forever um i've you know i grew up cutting up deer and stuff in my dad's you know meat processing shop and all that kind of stuff and we only went hunting a few times and it was up in the mountains um, but I loved it. And so, yeah, I've continued to do that as an adult. Now, yeah, I, should, I hopefully get deer every year. So you were up in um, <clears throat> Wyoming this year? Bird Mon hunting? Montana. Montana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were up in Montana chasing birds around up there for a couple of weeks. How'd that go? It was good. Yeah. Um, it was really good. It was very uh, difficult at first because it was hot. Yeah. It was like 95 degrees. How many dogs you have with you? Two. Okay. Um, they do okay? Yeah. Um, one of them passed away, unfortunately, oh, on the way back. Um, not because there was any problem or anything. He was an old dog yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, we had a great time up there. It was very challenging because it was so hot. You'd only hunt like an hour or two in the morning. And then you're basically just trying to stay cool yeah. the rest of the day. Cause we, we don't stay in a hotel or anything like that. We camp. Um, and so basically, and there's no trees up there nothing nothing there's oh. no there's no trees and so oh. we ended up we were driving through this little town one time and i was like oh my gosh look over there there's trees not by somebody's house and so we pulled over there and it was a ended up we thought it was a 
like a defunct church. Okay. Um, that had some trees still over the parking area and stuff like that. And so we spent like three days, like just hanging out in the, in the parking lot. Getting some shade. <laughs> yeah. We're just yeah. sitting there in the shade cause it wasn't a paved parking lot or anything. And so we were there and had the dogs out cooling down. And, and so, um, yeah, we were just hanging out there. Uh, it ended up, it was not defunct. Oh, everybody showed up. It was an old Catholic church and everybody showed up for mass one day. <laughs> everybody is in like, the eight of them yeah the, sure. the five cars yeah, yeah um all of a sudden came pulling into the lot at the same time hey sorry yeah <laughs> so we were apologizing then we got out but then i don't know if you remember because it was even down here in september there was a bunch of smoke from some canadian wildfires yep. well, where we were at was like where it came across and it was thick there and i mean eyes like burning. trouble breathing uh yeah oh wow it's yeah like canadian and, grass, yeah. and and it was and it was <laughs> It was it was difficult. I mean, we we stuck it out for like a day and a half, and then I was like, we got to get out of the smoke. Um, <clears throat> so I sat down with a map and just looked at the map and weather.com trying to see where there was no smoke. <clears throat> we ended up driving six hours over to Bozeman okay. to get out of the smoke, um, basically. Bozeman's um, pretty, though. Yeah, Bozeman's nice. We hung out there for a day or two um is there good hunting around there or we didn't imagine, hunt okay we just we just kind of hung out there not. yeah there was there was a i was looking for some new boots anyway there's a good couple of good boot companies there, there so i checked them out and and uh <laughs> so <laughs> so i yeah i bought a pair of boots while we were there and just kind of hung out and and uh waited for the smoke to clear and then we went back and then it was phenomenal it was okay it was great so it they was, haven't been drought up there yeah i mean it's dry um as dry as here? No. Okay. Not as dry as here, but it was it was drier last year. It was a little better this year. Uh, not great, um, but we had <clears throat> we had great bird hunting up there this year. Yeah, I when, worry when about. When we came back out, that was it was great. I worry about the dogs in Colby. Mm -hmm. Weekend after, they're not going to. They're well, going to have a hard time finding anything. Yeah, the the problem is, you know, the for for dogs to be able to smell the birds, there has to be some Something. moisture in the air. Yep. Or else their nose just dries out and they can't smell anything. Yeah. And so yeah, it's and it, it, that's a dry area anyway. But yeah, years like this, man, as bad it's, as it's been. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were reading things saying that the drought has continued so bad that the the cattle herd, like at best, this will be a push year, like mm -hmm. not a rebuilding year right. at all. Right. So I'm very worried about beef prices, the, our beef yep. herd, all of that. There's plenty of deer. Worse worse. Go deer hunting, everybody. Hey, I mean, that is one thing to do, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, got, I hate to tell the beef industry this, but uh, I eat, don't eat a whole lot of beef anymore. Oh, don't worry. I eat yours. I, I uh, Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, we don't, at, at my house, we really don't eat much beef at all. I eat uh, mainly wild game um, most of the time. Do you have a favorite? Um, elk is really good. I, I But I'm, I'm a guy that like, I enjoy the different flavors sure. of meat. Yep. I do. And there's, there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of people go, Oh, this is gamey. If it's gamey, that means generally speaking, you overcooked it or processed it wrong. Yeah. One of those two things. Right, right, right. My, uh, I've eaten elk twice and one was just in a sausage. Um, it was the closest to beef in a wild game that I've had. Mm -hmm. Like I, I thought it had more of an umami flavor than any of the other large animals yeah. eating them. So. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's like I said, I like I just like to taste the difference of the mm -hmm. different kinds of meat. But yeah, elk is very I don't want to say mild, but it's um it's not if you handle it right, there's no gaminess to it. Yeah. I didn't 
anyway. No. And if you have eaten elk that's gamey, it's because it got way overcooked. Now, you only say that though, because I don't think we gave you any of the mountain lion that we That's had. correct. I saw, okay. uh, yeah. You, had I, you gotten some of the mountain lion, that'd be your favorite. Okay. It's unbelievable. Well, and somebody else said, oh, it wasn't mountain lion, it was something else like beaver or something. No. I had a no, guy tell no, me. No, beaver is disgusting. Didn't you guys eat the tail eat the or tail. something? That's not yeah, good. No, not the Ugh. tail. Um, uh, somebody told me that about beaver as well. That like the back legs, like the the hams on a on a okay. on a beaver are supposed to be, if you know what. And, and I'm a guy that also believes that like God put everything here on on Earth for a reason. Sure. And if and there's a way to cook everything. And so if you can find that right right way to cook things, it's phenomenal. Like like the birds that we were hunting up in in Montana, sharp tailed grouse. Yeah. A lot of people compare them to prairie chickens here in Kansas. They're like. Which reminds me, I have to get my prairie chicken tag. There's a very species, they're very similar species. Yeah. Um, And they both do have strongly flavored meat, I would say. But like you cook it the right way. Like we've got a, and it sounds funny, but it's like a a stew almost. Or what's the difference between soup and a stew? Something about the broth. Anyway, it's that kind of stuff. And uh, it's absolutely delicious. And we use a, a, a recipe that, would be like what Native Americans would have, um, the way they would have cooked it. Cause okay. it's got the three, the Native Americans, three sisters, beans, corn, and squash. And, um, it's, it's delicious. I mean, I, I will have that for dinner tonight. We just made up a batch. And so I've never had a prairie awesome. chicken. You're saying that that is, does not have, like, I was thinking it would taste somewhat similar to pheasant. No, no, no. Okay. It's, um, it's got hmm. a, What's the, you know, Hank Shaw is okay. Hank Shaw, uh, he's got a piece out where he talks about sharp tailed grouse and he says that they have an assertive flavor. (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice way to say that. I think that's fair. And prairie chickens are are real similar. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not, if you, if you just like peel off a breast and throw it on the grill, it's probably not going to be that great. Not going to like it, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, but if you take care of it the right way, um, those are both birds that you need to, to uh field clean them right after you shoot them okay pheasant quail you don't need to do not that. so much yeah. yeah but but the they're both grouse and that's the thing with grouse um you need to field field clean them real quick is there a reason for that that we know of know or is it just a hat it just makes a different way it, the game the way that i've i know that because i've cleaned a bunch of them okay and hunted yeah. them for a while and there's and there's a different i've noticed a difference i don't know any scientific reason for it but I think I think it makes a difference. Thinner membranes on the something. It could be uh, anything. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, pull that stuff out of there right quick. And well, you think about it. Works. I mean, there was years and years that went into figuring out that you had to keep a pig calm, so you didn't spike its adrenaline before you killed it, right. or you ruined the meat. So right. I mean, yep. there, there's there's things like that. Yep. Absolutely. I don't understand. I'm not smart enough to understand all that, but I know what happens. I'm very glad that there's people out there who think of these things so that I can yeah. just, you know, look at my little Google ads and be like, yeah, let's try that. We're going to try yeah. that. So, yep. There's something else, though, um, outside of BHA. That came about um, because Kansas, as a state, is missing out on getting a lot of federal funding that we could get. Uh, and it's going to other states instead of coming here. Right. Um, and basically the way it works is um, there's a lot of programs out there that um, if the state will pay some matching money, then you receive some federal funding to get some things done. Like long-term conservation projects is a, is a great example. And we've been missing out on a lot of that stuff. Um, as an example, um, Mississippi, 
um, started up a conservation fund last year and they had, they multiplied their money by four the first year. Okay. Like they put in what just, they put a million bucks. They got 4 million bucks out of it for, and it was millions and millions of dollars. Um, but so that's kind of the concept of what we're trying to do is we're trying to get, um, money that's out there already. It's not like we're increasing taxes. Yeah, it's, talk about that. Because it's funding that's already out there. Right. And so um, to get that funding, um, people that are a lot smarter than me figured out a way to not increase taxes here in Kansas and not create any additional agencies or departments or anything like that, but to more effectively utilize the tax dollars that we already have to get that federal funding and to invest in our state and invest in our pastures, you know, our, invest in our parks, all right. that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and we're talking about like $63 million a year. It's crazy. And yeah. Yeah. And we'll get that and we'll multiply it by four. I don't actually believe that the government's that ineffective, that they're misspending $63 million. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Right. Talk about the, the <laughs> Kansas city, the sports. Yeah. So, so the, the, the money that we're talking about, um, and this is a bill, it's not, law yet right. um, and that's what kansas for conservation is asking uh is, is trying to do is get this bill passed um the money will come from three major areas um one of them is some lottery money um that is being paid out as winnings they're paying more than they have to on that stuff it was supposed to be for the benefit of all the people in the state right not just to pay out winnings right um and they're paying out more um and so dropping that back somewhat closer to where it's supposed to be. Um, that makes up about half of the money we're talking about. And then, and then a fourth of it comes from a uh, fund of money that was established when Kansas was trying to lure professional sports teams, also known as the Royals and the Chiefs, yeah. um, to the state of Kansas. And that didn't work out so well. They stayed in Missouri, but that tax money is still there. Um, and so utilizing that, for some sports purposes, outdoor sports purposes right. in the state of Kansas. And again, it's going to get multiplied by four or 10 or whatever. Um, and then the other one is, oh my gosh, now I'm drawing a blank. Um, well, two out of three. Oh, bad. the, uh, the, um, s some of the money from the sales tax on sporting goods will be put into this fund fund as well. Is that what we're talking about? The backpack tax? Yeah, okay. it's similar. A backpack tax, if you're not familiar with that term, is the thought is that like um, hunters and anglers forever ha are the ones that paid for conservation. Yep. Um, through the Pittman-Robertson Act, the Dinkle-Johnson Act, all that kind of stuff. And it, and it was not a deal that was done to us hunters. I'm right. so proud of this. We asked Said for it to happen this. back in the middle of the Depression. Um, we realized that we had that we as hunters had like cleared the landscape of most of the large animals and we didn't think that was right and wanted to do something about it. And so we asked to pay more for guns, to pay more for ammo, to fund conservation. And we've done that since the, since the days of the, of the depression. Um, and so conservation in America has been funded by hunters and anglers. And there is some thought that maybe some of the other groups out there should be paying for that too. Um, and, and the one that is, it's a backpack tax is what that's generally referred to is like, that's just an easy way to think about it. If you're out there just hiking sure. and you buy a backpack, why don't you pay a little extra to help, help cover the cost for conservation. Um, and so that's kind of the thought of this. Um, there's no new taxes being put on anybody. 
Um, it's just a directive to the legislature to take some of that money, that some of the sales tax money that's done for sporting goods, and put it in this push fund. it to that. Yeah. Okay. So and it's so, actually not an increase on the taxes. Like go to REI, it's still going to cost me the same thing it did for the jacket. Ab okay. Absolutely correct. Okay. It's just it's just directing the legislature to take some of that money out of the sales tax and put it into this. Okay. Hmm. No, no additional tax dollars. No additional state agencies. Like I said, the people that thought this up are way smarter than me. <laughs> I just like the way it works. Yeah. Um, and so the thought is that we're we're going to we're hopefully going to get it into the legislature this year. Okay. Um, because every year that we don't get it in there, we lose we lose money every year, every month that goes by, we lose money. Um, and so we're going to hit this thing hard and fast, and we're building a coalition of groups um, behind this. Uh, behind this effort, and it is about the most diverse group um, that I've ever seen. And the reason for that is that the that where the money is going to be utilized, half of this money, um, for right now the way it's set up, is half of the money is going to be used for conservation purposes on private lands. It's like we talked about there's no public lands in Kansas. That means everything else is privately owned. Right. So half of this money is going to be utilized for conservation practices and education uh, on, on private lands. And so the agricultural groups are behind it. Um, you know, all the big agricultural groups think this is a great deal and it is. And we have a board member that explained to me, cause, cause one of the things that I was initially a little miffed about, uh, and I won't lie about that. I was a little upset about it. I thought that number should be far less. Um, because right now there is a ton of money out there in some instances for farming practices through the farm bill to the inflation reduction act. There's a ton of money out there for farmers to utilize right now, almost more than they can spend. And with that being the case, I was like, why are we throwing, are we more? throwing more money at it? You know, which, which in my brain made sense. Um, one of our board members works for one of the government agencies. I don't remember which one that helps spend the farm bill money. <clears throat> And his, his thought on it is that it makes perfect sense and it is vastly needed because it's a local response. Uh, we can address local needs in Kansas with this money because the way the farm bill works is like they have the one size fits all for America approach. Right. You know, here's this program. It's going to be great for everybody. Well, that doesn't work in Kansas. Right. So it does, you know, we don't get any money out of that. That's an example. And his deal is this now fills in the gaps for the federal programs that are out there that don't fit. You know, there's all this stuff out here that doesn't fit. We've got this and there's no response from the government. But now we have this fund that can come in and still get a different kind of federal matching money. And so it, it really does make sense. Okay. It really is. And it took me a while to wrap my head around that. And I'm probably not explaining it very well. Right. But, um, but it's like, it's a better local response as opposed to the federal response. Sure. Um, and so that's, and so that's, so half the money's going there. And then a quarter of the money is going to improve our parks, um, our parks across the state. Okay. And then a quarter of it goes to wildlife conservation practices here in Kansas. And so I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes a ton of sense. And we've got, like I said, we've got the big agricultural groups are behind this bill. Um, conservation groups, water conservation groups. I mean, you name it. Um, and, and part of, part of what I'm doing with, with that effort is to bring it to business people 
um, and to get the business world behind it as well. Um, and it just makes too much sense to not do this. We're missing out on, on a lot of federal money. Right. Um, and if it's out there already, we've already paid that into the, through our taxes, we might as well be getting it out. I mean, I may agree or disagree with it being taken out of my paycheck. <laughs> That's a whole different yeah, subject. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is it's there and it's, and it was taken out and that tax money is there. And so if it's there, we damn well better get it. Otherwise we're just wasting our money. Losing it. Yep. Yeah. Letting it's, other it's just, states take yeah. it. Yeah. So. And I mean, face it, you know, like we're all in competition for business and tourism and all that kind of stuff. Um, one of the problems in Kansas is we have, you know, more people leaving than we got coming in. Um, is Kansas a shrinking state? It, if it's, it usually is. I don't know about this particular okay. year. Look at my family. My two kids are in Colorado. They're gone. Um, and why did they go out there? Because there's so much stuff to do. Yeah. Um, and they're not talking about going shopping. They, they all, my kids both love to hike and fish and hunt right. and all but that But you understand stuff. no matter how much public land we have around here, you're never going to compete with what Colorado has, right? That's on, on that particular thing. That's correct. Right. Their point to me was that there's really not much to do here. There's unless, not. Unless you're going to go hunt birds. So you're going to get people who like to do that and yeah. then like to not do much else. Right. There's some pretty sweet uh, mini malls here. I don't know if you. <laughs> oh God! I do. Oh, I do have a. Me, I, it pains me to hear you say that. I love. God, shopping. I hate that. I love shopping. So I just spent the last weekend. Part of the reason I'm so exhausted is we were in Branson, Missouri. We played like some ridiculous number of holes. It's not uh, a multiple of nine because one of the places we played was a 13 hole course. <laughs> Nicest course I've ever played on. It's Missouri. Like it was. All three, all four of them were some of the nicest courses I've ever played on. But the scenery out there is so beautiful, right? Like you're just on mountaintops and mm -hmm. you have these like almost like arroyos, like these beautiful right. areas. Right. But I'm sorry to say this. The people aren't as good. Like <laughs> the people in Kansas. Fantastic. I know I'm obviously I'm biased, but I've lived a lot of places. The people here are better than they are other places because- we don't have all these things to go out. Like what we have is each other. Yeah. Like, so we talk and we hang out and we do things. Like it's just a, you're going to draw different types of people. You're never going to get the type of person who wants to live in out just outside of Denver or Boulder to be happy here. Like, it's just a different thing. Hate it. <laughs> they, so, they would they visit here. It. They're the worst. Listen, I didn't, I, I am, I've finally come around to the fact that Kansas has some beauty in it. It's just a little bit different than what I was used to. Um, and for me, it was being in the somebody's backfield early morning, sun just coming up, all the grass is waving, dogs are go, you know, burning through some grass, and I was like, wow, that is actually really, really pretty. It is, um, but it's just a different, different it is, type. It is, it is different. As you, as we were going through all of that, I was going, I'm, I'm hearing all of the public lands people, you know, that I know here in Kansas that are screaming about, what are you talking about? Kansas is awesome and it's beautiful and it's great. And we've got all of these things to offer. And we do. There's a lot of cool stuff. There is a lot of cool there's stuff. There's some cool stuff. There's, no, there's actually enough, a lot. There's not enough scary rides. We need heights. You know, we need, <laughs> I want to fall off a mountain. I mean, that like, very much might be what I, that's <laughs> 100% what, what it is. It really might be. Heights that also add, <laughs> it's, it adds to great scenic views too. Uh, it's it's stuff. It, what we have in Kansas is stuff that you have to slow down to appreciate. It's not going to just walk up and slap you in the face and say, I'm gorgeous. Okay. Um, but if you slow down and take a look at it and appreciate what it is, there's some fantastically beautiful places. Do you have an example of like something? Oh, there's a, I'm not going to say a whole lot because 
I don't like a lot of people going out there. Oh, okay. But but there's there's that. some there's actually some well, I mean it's not huge secrets, but there's some like scenic byways um that go off of I-70 out of northwest Kansas. They're spectacular. Okay. Um that's an easy one. There you go. I gave you something. Um <laughs> but but it's um some of those places up there, and again, it's it's not just gonna slap you in the face and say I'm beautiful. Yeah. You have to slow down. And and appreciate it, and I know that's a yeah, problem like for you, yeah. but it's it is it's there, uh, and I'm sorry that you're missing out on it because no, you're missing a, out. You should go check. I'm it sure out. there'd be. It's the slowing down <laughs> part I don't like. Yeah, so, but it's it is it's there. There are just there are several 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 places that are just gorgeous. Yeah, um, there's actually I looked it up. I'm glad I could find it in time. But um, a guy that uh, would come across like mutual friends on Facebook, oddly enough, he did a whole series on uh, places to explore in Kansas, so to speak. He's ABT Films. It's on YouTube, and it does like, I mean, he does uh, Barbara County, Alpha, Kansas. Bravo, Tango, uh, ABT. Yeah, okay. that, I mean, if, if that's probably what that is, but yeah, yeah it does, was, does the Badlands of Kansas, Lions yep. in Kansas. Yep. So I didn't know that he does a Hell uh, Hell's Half Acre. Looks like yep. that's in Kansas. So yep. yeah, there's a lot of Medicine Hills. What's so he does Hell's a Half Acre? I don't. I'm not sure. We have okay. to watch. Well, the we'll have so. to look it up. There you go. You have we'll to go there, check it out. But cool. uh, but there are there are there are beautiful places to go in Kansas. There truly are. Like I, we did a service project. Um, here's a little gem to go check out. Chase State Fishing Lake. It's up by Cottonwood Falls. It's about 45 minutes or an hour from right here where we're sitting. Really. Um, and when you when you hit that place right uh, in the spring, there's actually a waterfall in Kansas. That's kind of man-made. But don't worry about say, that. No, there's but don't not. worry about that part. But there, but like I said, if you hit it right right after a rain up there, and it's gorgeous, and there's this little trail that goes down to the bottom of it, and, and some people had fallen going down that trail. And so we went and rebuilt the trail. Oh, okay. Um, and so um, but the thing that that I really and that's what draws a lot of people there to that place. The uh, the other thing, yeah, um, no. Oh, okay. No. Um but the other thing that is, I think, beautiful there is it is out in like the last vestiges of unbroken prairie out there. And there, and we, we sponsored, um, we helped sponsor this, this conference called Working Lands for Wildlife, um, last year in Manhattan. And it's a, it was a, it was a big deal. And so part of that was, uh, we got to take a tour of some of the ranches. I didn't know that's where we were going, but it ended up, it was like a couple of the ranches right there by Chase State Fishing Lake. Yeah. Um, and to like learn what they had done to maintain it and all that kind of thing. Um, and to see that kind of beauty um, was amazing. And you can see just about everything that we saw on that tour of all these private places just by hiking this one hill out at, uh, out at the fishing lake. And you can see it's like it feels like you can see forever. What what do they have up there for? Are we talking bass? Are we talking? Yeah. They they had I don't know if they still have it. It was one of the few places in Kansas that had smallmouth bass. Oh, um, and I don't know if they still have. I don't know if those are still there or not. I don't know. Um, but I know the reason I know that is because there's a fly fishing club here in in Wichita that that I used to do a lot of stuff with, yep. and one of the guys from that used to go up there and fly fish for the smallies that were up there. And, uh, and fly fishing for smallies is not for the faint of heart. That's correct. That is a fun. It's awesome. Fun sport. All right. Did I ever show you this? Probably not. 
That that looks semi painful. Was that your hand? I put it all the way through. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, they've seen it. This is the. It's the treble hook. This is the treble hook through my hand. I'm just. Ouch! I could see your phone so well. Really? Yeah. So good to know. Okay. (laughs) So we can just hold things up. Yeah. There you go. We're learning. We're four years into the podcast. We're still learning new things. We got to drink more on this podcast. Yeah. Right. That's what happens. No, I I eventually had to cut the back end of that and push it through. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I tried bringing it back through a bunch cause I didn't want, it was a brand new hook that the, uh, Rapala guys had just given me up in Canada, um, and caught a bass on it. Like first cast caught a bass on it. A couple casts later caught another one. And as I was pulling it up, I'm like, this isn't hooked well. And as I put my hand on it, it just went bananas. Right. And I felt like a sharp prick and I was like, uh. I know what happened. Uh. And so I threw the bass back in the lake, probably a little bit more aggressively than I needed to. Um, and I looked down, I'm just like, I, I know this is bad. Like, I know it's in there. Good. And I was like, oh, great. So I'm walking and I hadn't even thought to release my bail. Oh, so no. it's yanking on. I'm like, ah, oh. but yeah, ouch. ouch. that was fun. Couldn't, couldn't do the back it out. Thing. Nope. So we, uh, squeezed the, the barb on it, but every time, like I, it just kept getting caught uh, and I was yeah. like, eh, this isn't worth it just anymore. Just cut it and go. Yeah. Plus it's a better First story. Up. I had to push it through. No. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But yeah. So yeah. So, I mean, that's a beautiful place in Kansas. Cause like that through that working lands for wildlife, I learned a ton. Um, attend, attending that like everybody talks about losing the rainforest and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We've lost the grasslands and we're continuing to lose the grasslands faster than the, than the rainforest. Yeah. For, everybody uh, talks about the rainforest. Let's take care of the grasslands. Yeah, it's right here. Yeah, it's right here. And it does a better job at carbon sequestration, if that's what we're talking about, than the rainforests do. Now we're Which talking crazy. We're talking poisonous frogs, bub. <laughs> right. That's, that's what we're in anacondas. <laughs> do we have anacondas here? We don't have anacondas. Baboons, <laughs> we want stuff that yeah. um, so, but I learned a ton at that deal. And and one of the things I learned about was those was those um was those prairie prairie lands out there and all that stuff. I follow a guy on Instagram who's all about uh, native grass restoration projects. Uh-huh. And what he does is he will get in touch with like highway departments. And his big thing is taking um, old rest stations, and basically just having them raise it, just get rid of all the pavement, all the everything. And he goes and he plants all like the native. Nice. Like, and it, it is really actually pretty. He comes back like a year later or so. And he's like, it's gorgeous. what we have now. Yeah. It's, so it's cool. It's, to yeah. The tall grass prairie preserve. I don't know if you've been up there. That's a road trip you could do. It's about an hour from here. I don't think so. Um, it's a joint venture between the park service, national park service. And I think the nature conservancy. Okay. Um, and yeah, there's Buffalo roaming around. You can go out there in the prairie. It's like back to what it was, you know, 200 years ago or whatever. How, how big is it? It's pretty good size. I can't remember the acreage of it, um, but it's pretty good size. Hmm. Um, we like to go out there and hike and do stuff like that. It's beautiful. That's that's a place you can find some Kansas beauty. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of being around Buffalo. <laughs> to be uh, honest, they, yeah, I, they're I, usually off in the distance. I never someplace. feel bad for the people who get messed with them at Yellowstone. Oh, no, I'm like, that's, you, you I'm, deserve that. That's like a yeah. That's like karma. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll not talk about that because I can get all wrapped up in sure. that. Sure. Yep. <laughs> no but reason yeah. to do that. But no, that. that the Tallgrass Prairie Preserve, it's up by um, Cottonwood Falls okay. area up there, which is right by the Chase County or State Lake. Um, it's all kind of up in that same area. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. And we do have gorgeous sunsets. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I choose to live here. I can go oh, wherever yeah. I want. Yeah, like, I choose to live here. 
I'm not. It's, it's wonderful. Yep. I I'm not it. going anywhere. Yep. So for sure. All right. We got anything else? We are way over time. Us? No. We still have beer. I had, that I, well, I, I did have a question. Uh-oh. Yeah. But let's keep it brief if we could. Because um, you're outside all the time. Yep. A, I'm sure the answer is probably no. Any Sasquatch sightings or, 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 near, or near, near sightings? Near sightings. What do you mean by near sightings? Hold on. Like, he's like, is that what I think? It, no, it's probably not. Right? That's probably never happened, right? I have I have never sighted okay. a uh, Sasquatch. So, having said that, do you assume the meat tastes good? And if it does, what? Of a Sasquatch? Yeah. And what does it taste like if it were to taste like anything? So, Sasquatch A is interdimensional so it's it's never going to be seen it just marinated it switches dimensions (laughs) it's super tender b it's like an ape right i don't i guess right that's what i guess i've never eaten any meat so i don't know what the answer to that is if my dad was still alive we could ask him when he's in vietnam when he was in vietnam they they made a meat monkey yeah yeah so but well do you like what we know about like they have to be a certain amount of you know years old and they're covered in hair so it's like is the meat even going to be worth no at that i point, have to right? imagine it'd be terrible <laughs> it's like 20 year old you're like ah it's already jerky yeah, right you cut it off and it's just good to go right <laughs> yeah there. all right this this is a super aside here but on your sasquatch stuff there's an old video um an old fishing video from i don't know 15 or 20 years ago called eastern rises and it's about these guys that go to russia and which sounds like it has nothing to do with Sasquatch, except for about halfway through, they start talking about Sasquatch. And so, and it's a lot of fun. You got to check that out <laughs> oh, sometime. Sure. Yeah. Eastern Rises. It's a, it's a great old film about uh, going fishing. Watch Eastern Rises on online. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's good. We Perfect. will check that out. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a lot of fun as usual. So thanks guys. When Kurt and I get on here, you never know where we're going to go. I think we did a fairly good job of talking we, about what we wanted to talk about. We did about. okay today. We didn't we did. bring up anything too off topic. I mean, everything was at least agriculture, hunting, yep. pretty much. Conservation, or conservation something. Yeah. Those things we didn't talk yeah. about. When you get a chance, please, please, please support the bill for the conservation fund. Whatever it gets, whatever the bill gets called, please support that. It will make us money. I so guarantee it. How will we know what it's going to be called? Um, Kansans for Conservation. Okay. Um, kansansforconservation.org is the website that you can go to if you want more information to check that out um and yeah please support that it just makes way too much sense not to cool thanks guys thanks for checking out the meat six podcast to shop everything but the meat head on over to waltons.com to get your meat processing questions answered by experts and enthusiasts alike head on over to our online community at meatgistics.com waltons everything but the meat